Okay, if you go on our website, our front page, and um, this thing right here where it says Andy Squires, right this second, that'll go in a minute. We'll be tight. We're done with that. <laughs> right there. The great love of Jesus. A little rotating banner there. Go to that page right there. And I just wanted to really, what I want to do is encourage everybody to come to this. Okay, I don't usually try to promote stuff. But this I am going to because I believe this woman can bring some impartation here. Uh, this would not be like a, you know, a really high-level preaching or teaching kind of thing, okay? Because this woman is not like a preacher or a teacher. But she does have something that a lot of people need in a real way, and that is she has a revelation of the love of God which is exceptional, okay? And she brings that anointing to release that into people's lives. And I think that's really the prime thing that we really... Uh, want people to get in this church, okay? If I could pick out one revelation that everybody has to have as a Christian is to know in your heart that the Father loves you on a personal and deep level and that He's pleased with you as you are right this moment. And because that is the sustaining revelation in every, per, every Christian's life should be. If you don't have that, your, Christian, your Christianity is going to be more difficult than it's supposed to be. So... You know, if we can, like I, my opinion, if I could get that done in 80, if I could get that for everybody, 85% of my job is done. I mean, I only have 15% left to do after that. Because if you get that, you've got really everything you really need pretty much. But this, <laughs> this is scary, man. I'm telling you, this is really scary. I want to read this to you. I know you can read. But uh, this is our purpose. I'm thinking, man, are we really doing this, Lord? This is, this is serious here. I mean, it says, We live in an unprecedented, unprecedented time in church history, and those who have been sensitive to the heartbeat of Jesus have found themselves caught up in a whirlwind of change. Isn't that the truth? Whirlwind of change. Anybody felt that? Uh, you know, the change angel, all that, the, you know, this, the world we're living in, and the natural. For Americans, part of this change involves shedding our Western cultural values and views of the kingdom. It's hard to realize that the kingdom of God is not the, um, the United States American democratic system. <laughs> you know, it's just it's hard for us to see that. But um, the Holy Spirit is calling Christian leaders from other nations to come and disciple American believers in dimensions of faith, intimacy, and self-sacrifice. That sounds exciting, doesn't it? <laughs> that have been lacking in our understanding and experience. There is a release of the kingdom yet to happen in America that is already being experienced by Christians in other nations. That's true. Shamper Rice, born in the slums of Calcutta, India, carries a message and experience of life with Jesus and his kingdom of love and power that is desperately needed for this transformation to break open the hearts and believers and churches in America. So that's really what we're believing for is that this, this is going to be a release to, uh, given to us over that weekend of love and power. Everybody say love and power. Love and power. Um, I want to read this last little, and this last thing right above restoration. It's, uh, <clears throat> this is what she said about herself. I love to cook. So we got a cook coming. <laughs> My, hey, we might, somebody want to invite her to our house and cook up some good old Indian food. <laughs> I'm a woman from the kitchen. God is not looking for someone important. 
He is looking for anybody who loves Him because He wants to be found more than we want to find Him. Amen? So I really encourage you to come to this in all seriousness. If you cannot afford the money, I have Matthew's checkbook, and I will be glad to write a check to the, pay for your restoration. <laughs> now, all seriousness, don't let money stop you. And if you can come, please do. Because I really believe the Lord wants, this is something the Lord wants to do, is He wants to release a revelation of His love to people. Now, I want to tell you this. This is what the Lord uh, showed me recently, is love and power go together. Okay? Love and power go together. And it's, it's, it's critical for us to get this revelation of the love of the Father operating in our life. Very critical because God wants to release His power through our lives. Okay? God is going to have a powerful church. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? God's going to have a powerful church, but a powerful church needs to be a church that's securing God's love. And, and that keeps you safe with the power. And I really believe this is, honestly, this is what the Lord's been showing me. There is a new Pentecost coming. Okay? That's what's headed our way. Uh, I don't consider myself to be a Pentecostal, honestly. Okay, I mean, that's what, when I think about myself spiritually, I don't think of myself as being a Pentecostal Christian. I consider myself to be some kind of other Christian. I'm not sure what kind, but a Christian. Okay, but there is a Pentecostal power that God wants to release into the church yet. Okay, that's going to be profound and it's going to change, it's going to change the landscape of our nation. It's going to be like the, the Pentecostal outpouring originally in the Bible that turned the world upside down. Okay? And I really believe that's where we're headed. And I'm not ashamed to say, listen, I'm going after the power of God. Because I've been getting saturated for uh, almost two years now in the love of God. I thought that's really the thing that God's done in my life over and 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 moreover. Because obviously I really needed it real bad. Okay? But I feel like God's been saying to me, the power's on the way. There's a dunamis power, a dynamic Holy Spirit power that God wants to release through His church. That's going to be really good. That's exciting to me. Amen? So I wanted to tell you that. Um, so how many people in here are, are sort of like me? It's when, the Holy, when you're in the atmosphere of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, and you feel God on you, you just feel bold as a lion. Does anybody, does that happen to people? You just feel bold. You feel, you feel strength on the inside and you will say stuff. And You know, I have preached some tremendous messages at home by myself. <laughs> I mean, just, I, mean I would love to, man, well, I'm going to record these and just bring them to church and, and let the messages be uh, aired instead of me preaching because I'm just so on you know God's all over me and I'm just so on fire and and just declaring things and saying stuff I was like man I wish I could preach like that at church <laughs> but you know the enemy talks people out talks people out of stuff is are you one of those people who talks out of stuff one thing I want to do at the end I'm just telling you this to make myself accountable at the end I want us to to sing a song and declare who God has created us to be. Okay? And, and here's the reason I want to do that. The other night, Wednesday night, I mean, the Lord came in a powerful way 
And at the end, I was sitting on the front row. I mean, I was just blasted, man. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, okay? I like to get blasted. I mean, I just like it. I like it. I used to not like wild stuff. I mean, I was always, I'm sort of a conservative person, kind of. Honestly, I really was. I'm telling you the truth, I was so wild growing up. I mean, I was just wild. I love wildness. I love being out there. And I got saved, and somewhere along the line, I became this conservative person. And I found out I'm not supposed to be conservative. I found out God didn't create me that way. I found the real truth about me. The real truth about me is I'm not conservative. Okay? I'm wild. There's a wildness in me that wants out. It's constantly wanting out. You can ask Becky. I've been, she's been fussing at me for years. She's not in here right now. Grace knows. Anyways... Um, the Holy Spirit came, it was really wild, and then it got good, you know, it got like more mellowed kind of time. Y'all know how those mellowed times when the Lord really starts talking to you? And I had this tremendous conversation with the Lord, and one of the things, He asked me a question. He said, Who did I create you to be? And I said, Oh, I'm bold at that moment. <laughs> you know, I start declaring all this stuff that who I'm created to be, okay? But I really found out something. There's power when we agree with God of who God created you to be and what God's put in you. And when we declare that, it releases that thing out of us. And God wants the people of God to be who He's created y'all to be and to be able to boldly say it, to say, this is what God has put in me. This is who I am. There's no pride in that. That's agreement. That's humility. And I want you to, I want, Lord, I want you to touch people and let them say who they are. Unashamedly. If you can't say it to nobody else but God, that's a good place to start. Because me and God was just having a grand old conversation about that Wednesday night. And uh, I realized it really released something in me when that happened to me. Because the devil talks people out of stuff all the time. The devil and your flesh, the world, the flesh, and the devil can try to convince you against things that God has to say to you. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Oh, you're not a wild person. Byron, you're conservative. You like everything low-key. You hate wild stuff. And I was believing all that stuff. And I really found out, no, I love wild stuff. I'm not conservative. The wilder, the better. The crazier, the better. I just can immerse myself in that stuff, in that kind of thing. So I want to encourage all of you who are not wild this morning. You really may be. Just possibly you really may be believing a lie about yourself. You may want to ask the Lord. Um, I like this church. I want to just tell you that. Right? I'm going to go on the right. I really like our church here. It's not perfect. I realize there's things that are not good about it. Uh, and mostly the people bring those not good things about it. And I'm one of those people. You know, we bring bad things. But overall... This is a really a great church, and it's a healthy place. That's what I like about it. It's healthy. You, you, if you want to, you can be a healthy Christian here. Okay, if you're willing to allow the Lord to do what He does. And He does it not the way He does it everywhere else, but He does do good things here, I feel. So, but I wanted to talk to you this morning uh, about something that happened to me this week. Okay, that was really excellent. And, you know, God talks to people on different levels, okay? Now, I'm going to tell you this. God talks to me a lot, 
I hear God speaking to me on a pretty regular basis, really. I think God's talking more than I'm hearing Him, actually. And, um, but He talks on different levels. I have dreams, a lot of dreams where God reveals things to me in dreams, especially about people in the church. And, and most of the time, those dreams are exactly right. Sometimes people resist me on it and don't want to. But they always find out sooner or later, He was right. It was God. That's just, that goes with being a pastor. I have dreams. I have visions. I'm starting to have more visions now where God shows me stuff in visions. And I hear God talk to me really often in the Bible, more so than any other way God speaks to me through the Scripture. Uh, I'd say 70% of what I get from God where I hear Him talk to me is through reading the Bible. Just, I'm not even talking about studying the Bible. I'm talking about because I don't believe in studying the Bible. Most of you all know that. I, it's nowhere in the, in the New Testament to study. I hadn't told y'all that in a long. Let me go ahead and offend everybody in the room one more time. If you ain't heard this before, it, you cannot find any place in the Bible where it says, Study to show thyself approved. That word study is not in the Greek. It does not tell us to study the Bible. We're not supposed to study the Bible. That's insane. That's using your natural mind to find something. Did I get it all up by getting the religious spirits all upset now? I'm out here telling you don't study the Bible, but it's not in the Bible. It's really not. So we need to do what the Bible says. That word means more of meditate, immerse, do. That's what it really, really tells us. You'll get a lot more out of life if you do what the Bible says versus studying it. I can promise you that. You know, things will work out better for you. They're leaving because they're offended. I don't really have time to talk about all that this morning, but that is a, the truth. God wants to speak the truth to us through the, through the Word. He wants us to immerse ourselves in His Word. Give ourselves. Let the Word be made alive to you. And that's one thing God's doing, I think, today more than ever. But um, So I had this experience this week where the Lord spoke to me on a different level. And like I say, you know, you can get words of knowledge, uh, which is wonderful. I believe in that. You can get, uh, uh, you know, the Lord to speak to you about what you're you know, if you have a ministry, if you're a preacher or you're a worship leader, God will reveal stuff to you. Or if you're a parent, God will speak to you about your family. If you're a business person, He'll speak to you in all these things. Okay? But, then, but there's other things that God wants to talk to people about that goes beyond those things. In fact, if all we get is those things, we are missing something that's very vital to our life. And what happened to me is God spoke to me on a different level, a much deeper level, and I realized in Him speaking to me that I was lacking something in my life that I didn't know I was lacking. Do you all understand that? In other words, He spoke to me on a deeper level, and I didn't realize I needed that Him to speak to me there until He did. Okay, and my thing was like, ah, oh, I want everybody in our church to hear God speak to them like that. Because whether you know it or not, if you haven't heard him speak to you like that lately or have never had, you're, you need something desperate. That's the way I felt. I desperately needed something I was lacking, and I didn't even realize I was lacking it. You know, I didn't even realize that I was lacking it. R.T. Bay. He's sitting at the front. But he picked a good day to sit at the front because I'm not going to be real wild over here today. Because he says, I'm not sitting in the front because you spit. I'm not going to be spitting a bunch today. But this is, this is, when God speaks to you on this level, oh man, it's, 
Jesus, many times Jesus would be in the middle of, um, you know, miracles and preaching and, and he would just bail out suddenly and get away. That's what he would do. Because what he was doing, he was going away to get, make sure that his life stayed vitally connected with God the Father. Okay? Because all that was going on did not vitally connect him. All, that, all the things that were happening around him was not... All his miracles, all his messages that he was preaching, all the things that were happening through him was not vitally connecting him to the Father. So in our lives, whatever we're doing, wherever, whatever area, your family life, your, you know, your ministry, your business, it, we're, that God's fully in, operating in, it doesn't vitally connect you if you don't get to this deeper level with, with Him. You've got to get to this deeper level. And, and I can only tell you this. It was the mercy of God that I had this experience with the Lord. It, that, the way it started was this. I went into the prayer room on Monday and the Lord was in there. It was like I walked in a room and there He was waiting on me. It was like this person was sitting in there waiting on me. And I began to just have this fellowship with Him and enjoy Him and talk to Him. And then I went back Tuesday and He was still there waiting on me. And then I went Wednesday and He spoke to me. He really spoke to me on this level I'm talking about. I wasn't just blessed. I didn't feel, just feel His presence. And after that, I couldn't. It's like I wanted, all I wanted to do was go and be there. That's all I wanted to do. All I wanted was to go and be with the Lord. You know, I was hungry for God in a different way than I had been. And that's one of the best things that I think that comes out of this is this really intense hunger for the Lord. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are you really hungry for the Lord today? I'm, I, I want you to go beyond, oh, I'm hungry to see the Lord move, or I'm hungry to see God use me, or I'm hungry to see this happen to my... I'm saying, are you really hungry for the Lord Himself? Okay? Now, I don't want to get religious about this, because you can get real religious on this and tell people all that other stuff's wrong, and that's a big lie, because everything that God does comes with God. But there is the Lord Himself that He wants us to focus on. Chuck had this vision this morning and he's, he's, he shared it in the first service but in the vision Chuck saw the Lord Chuck Moore Chuck saw the Lord uh, reaping a harvest Chuck was in this harvest field this wheat field and God just came in and with machinery and started reaping this and he, then Chuck saw the, the, the Lord uh, he was at the, at the ocean and, and God threw the net in the ocean and started bringing, out fish, bringing the fish. And then he saw God with these hunters killing these animals. Uh, and all of it was for us. Okay? God was giving it all to us. And Chuck found himself laying up on a wagon. You know, you got to understand Chuck. Wagons and guns. and That's the way God speaks to him and, and through these things. But he was laying up on these wagons with, the, with all this grain that God had harvested. You know, just enjoying the bounty of the Lord. And the Lord said, don't, don't be so caught up in all that and miss me, basically, is what he was hearing God saying. All that's wonderful. All that's my gifts to you. All that's my blessing on you. But don't forget me in the middle of it. Don't forget about me in the middle of it. Don't forget about this connection between me and you in the middle of all the, that I want to do for you. And Chuck really felt that God really wants to bring the church into a place of bounty and blessing. 
And I believe that's the truth, that He's going to bring us into a place of bounty and blessing, but He wants to tell us in the middle of all this that He's doing for you and I and all this provision that He's going to give the church, don't forget about the Lord. I mean, in this, this direct communion you have with the Lord. Amen? Are you all with me on this? God, I wanted to read... Here's, I'm going to read these Scriptures to you and tell you what the, the Lord showed me in these Scriptures. Do you all remember uh, me preaching a few times? Somebody's not happy. <laughs> Do y'all remember me preaching about uh, Elijah repairing the altar of our hearts? Anybody remember those messages? Anybody, please, somebody say you do. Yeah, <laughs> well, those were really important messages to me in this church when the Lord first started moving in our church. It's when Elijah went and had the showdown on, and, you know, he repaired the altar. And I knew that was really what God was doing. He was trying to repair the altar of this church and trying to repair our hearts and trying to soak us, you know, trying to tell us to put your flesh on the altar, put your stuff on the altar, you know, give it up, and then he soaked us with the water just like they did, and then God wanted to bring the fire down. That was really powerful to me, a powerful biblical picture of where God was trying to take us. And I believe God's still in the process of it, but this right here has the same feeling to me right now because, honestly, I believe God is trying to shift us into another place spiritually, okay, into a new place spiritually where God wants to do some powerful things. Because I'm going to tell you one thing. This big conversation I had with the Lord the other night when I was so blasted and having such a wonderful time and was full of boldness, this is one of the things the Lord was saying. Well, don't you be thinking that I'm through moving. If you think that you're thinking wrong, because I've only begun moving. I've only begun moving. It's, you know, you just need to go through this moment. But I'm not done. Okay? And I'm telling you, that's what God says. He's not done. So that can make you feel good or feel bad, depending on your perspective about what God's been doing. And if you didn't like it, then it makes you feel bad. Like, oh, God, I thought we'd gotten rid of that. If you felt discouraged, like, wow, Lord, this seems to be not as good as and intense as it was, don't worry. I believe the Lord's going to make it even more. It's going to be better. It'll be different, but it'll be better. Josiah was eight years old. This is Second Kings 22. When he became king. That was a big day for an eight-year-old became the king. And he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem and his mother's name... Okay, here we go with these names. Jedidiah, the daughter of Adadiah of Bozkath. I don't think I'm pronouncing these words right. I didn't take the class where pronunciations of biblical words... Actually, there's a course you can take in that. I should have took it. I regretted it this morning. He did right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, nor did he turn aside to the right or the left. And actually in Chronicles when it talks about this about Josiah, it says when he turned 16 years old, he started seeking the Lord. And for the next 10 years of his life, he purged Israel of false religion, false worship, and, 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 and got rid of their places of worship, killed off a bunch of their priests. I mean, that was really what he did. He spent 10 years of his life trying to purify the nation and cleanse the nation from false from false gods. Uh, but in the 18th year of King Josiah, this is when this man's 26. So I, I really want to tell you, you can be a young person, okay? You can be a young person and do big things for God. He was 16 years old and started going after stuff. 
And at 26 years old, some of you are not even 26 years old. At 26 years old, he looks at the house of God and sees this in its fallen down state. I really thank God for young men and young women that we're seeing God raise up right now that are looking at the body of Christ, looking at the church in America and saying, saying the church has fallen down, the church needs repairing. And they are stepping in there at, at, at a young age and really going after it. And I really want to commend those people for doing that. So in the 18th year of King Josiah, the, uh, he, the king sent Shaphan, the son of Aziah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord. <laughs> it's a bunch of sons. Uh, saying, Go up to Hilkah, the high priest, that he may count the money brought in the house of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have gathered from the people. Let them deliver into the hand of the workmen. Hey, you know the doorkeepers are the ushers that take up the offering. That's, they call them doorkeepers in those days. Let them de- deliver it into the hand of the workmen who have oversight of the house of the Lord. And let them give it to the workmen who are in the house of the Lord to repair the damages of the house or the breach. So I believe that really prophetically speaks of what God wants to do today. Is the church needs is in still need. We are in need. I am in need. You personally are in need. We are in need of God repairing us. We still need Him to work on us. We still need God to touch us. We still need to be touched over and over and over and let God work deeper and deeper and deeper in us. We still need it. We really do. We're not through. If He's through, then gosh, He made a mess. I mean, He didn't do good. And the body of Christ in America is in disarray, really, in many ways. And God wants to fix it. He wants to heal the church. And that's what He's going to do. That's what a revival is all about. That's really the truth. If you really want to know, that's why God wants to bring revival, is to fix us and to heal the church and to make the church the glorious church. I'm, I'm really convinced that He's going to do that. And, and then it talks about the carpenters and the builders and the masons for, for buying timber and hewn stone to repair the house. Only no accounting shall be made with them for the money delivered in their hands, for they deal faithfully. And I believe that's one of the things that God's going to raise up in the church is a church that has integrity and is, and is considered to be... You know, in the world, there some senator is going after the church for financial accountability. Okay? But in the Bible, he's saying, don't even worry about it. Just give them the money because they're faithful men. They're faithful people doing this. And I believe God's going to raise up a church that's really faithful. And I believe what we're going to see in the church, we're going to see two churches really emerge over time. We're going to see a church that continues in the direction that is gone, is going, that's been going, but we're going to see another kind of church that's going to rise up. And I believe it's a church that's going to be a faithful church. Faithful to the Lord, number one, and not to man and not to man's systems. It's going to be faithful to Him. It's going to be faithful to what the Bible says. And I really believe that. It's going to be a powerful church in the earth. I I believe we'll see a differentiation. I believe we'll see two expressions, at least two expressions of the church. And I want to be in the one that's powerful. I want to be in the one that's faithful to God and not built on some religious man-made system. I, that's what I want to be. Uh, then Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. 
And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, who read it. And Shaphan, the scribe, came to the king and brought back word to the king and said, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of the workmen who have oversight of the house of the Lord. Moreover, Shapham the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book, and Shapham read it in the presence of the king. So, this book was the Bible that they had. It was the first five books of Moses, because that was the only Bible they had at that time, because First Kings wasn't written. Right? They didn't have the Old At first, your mind thinks it was the Old Testament. It wasn't the Old Testament, because they didn't have an Old Testament. They had the first five books of Moses. And actually, what happened was Moses took those first five books that he originally wrote and put it in the Ark of the Covenant. And they believe this is the very copy because what happened, Moses prophesied, you guys are going to go bad. You're going to go bad, and I'm putting this book in this, this Ark to be, as a testimony against you. And they went bad, and, and they lost the Bible. So they didn't have the Word of God at this point in history, they didn't have it. So this guy, they're working on, they're you know remodeling, you know tearing walls down, doing what carpenters and masons do in this house, this the temple. And in the middle of it, they found where somebody cared enough about what God had to say and hid it away from the wicked people. That he hid it, and then somebody, this guy, he finds it and he reads this Bible. And then they say, we've got to go to the king and tell him about the Bible that we found, about the Word of God. And they took it, and it, they read it to the king. And in verse 11, it says, When the king heard the words of the book of law, he tore his clothes. And in the Old Testament, that was an outward symbol of your heart being torn, your heart being broken. You know, that's why it says, rend your heart, not your garments, because it became like a religious exercise with people in that day, they would just tear their clothes, but there was nothing inward going on with them. But with him, there was something inward. He was, he was heartbroken about what he heard read to him. He was, he was destroyed in his heart. He read that this is what God has to say to us and look at our state. Okay? You see what I'm saying? Can you imagine being in that state? Anyways... Uh, then the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam the son of Shaphan, Achor the son of Micaiah, whatever, Shaphan the scribe and Isaiah the king's servant, saying, Go inquire the Lord for me and the people and all Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that burns against us because our fathers have not listened to the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. Now, that's a pretty, pretty tore up guy. Our fathers haven't, haven't listened to this and haven't done it. So Hilkiah the priest and a, this group of people, okay, they went to this Huldah the prophetess. This was a woman prophet. Okay, they went to her, the wife of these people, <laughs> the wife and son of these people, who happened to be the keeper of the wardrobe. <laughs> I don't know. Well, you don't wonder why the Bible puts that kind of information in there. Like, who cares what he did, man? I mean, he lived. He was a keeper of the wardrobe. <laughs> Big deal. I know God has a reason for putting that in there. 
Now, she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter. God wanted us to know about all this. This was important to God. He wanted us to know about her family, who her husband was, where he lived, what they did. You know, it was just important to him. You know, God's really end of details of people's lives. And she said to them, Thus says the Lord, God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I bring evil on this... Well, you know what? I don't want to... Uh, I want to jump down to verse 18 because I, what I want to make sure we understand this one, I don't want to tell you this morning that God is angry with you and that He is bringing wrath on you. I don't want you to get that. So that's what was happening. God was going to bring some wrath down on Israel because He was really mad at them because of what they had done. But I don't believe that's what the Lord's saying to me and you this morning. I think Matthew preached last week about Christ being the propitiation and propitiation for our sins means one who turns away wrath. That's what propitiation means. So God's not interested in releasing wrath on the church today. Who knows what he's going to do tomorrow? You know? He may get mad tomorrow. I don't know. I'm going to stay in grace, though. If he gets mad, I'm going to be in the grace. Because I'm not a vessel of wrath. I'm a vessel of mercy. I'm staying with that. But what I wanted to do is tell you what he said to the king. Because he said one thing to the nation, he said another thing to the king. And see, I think that's one thing that we need to hear this morning. God has one thing to say to the body of Christ in America, and he may have something else hard to say to America. Now, let me tell you this. Y'all know who K. Arthur is? K. Arthur don't even believe in prophecy. Okay, this is no kidding. She don't even believe in spiritual gifts. She prophesied. I heard it. K. Arthur prophesied that God was going to bring a famine on this nation. I'm thinking, K. What in the world's wrong with you, girl? You're doing something you don't even believe in. <laughs> you are doing something you have judged other people doing for years. And there's a lot of people prophesying doom on our country. I don't know. There may be doom coming. At some point, God will judge our country. But I think He's wanting to do something with the church to help the country. That, that's what I believe. I believe in, That's why I believe so much in the revival. Bring the revival. The church gets revived, and God releases spiritual awakening in the nation. And the nation turns back to the Lord. I'm, that's what I'm hanging my hopes on. Because if, if that don't happen, I think something bad is going to happen to our country. So we really need to go after revival to see, to see God turn this. But to the king of Judah, verse 18, who sent you to inquire the Lord, thus you shall say to him, thus says the Lord God of Israel, regarding the words which you have heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, they should become a desolation, a curse. And you have torn your clothes and wept before me. I have truly heard you, declares the Lord. So what I wanted to tell you, this is what I want to tell you how God spoke to me on, on another level. Okay? This is what He said to me. He said, my heart was not tender anymore. Okay? He said it got calluses on it. 
And one, I said, what's a tender heart? He said, a tender heart is a heart that easily receives what I say and what I do. And you've got where you're not easily receiving what I'm saying and doing. And it was liberating to me. Because I realized he took, at that moment, when he said that to me, he gave me a tender heart. And I believe the Lord wants to give y'all tender hearts. Because I believe many of us don't have a tender heart right now. As we're hearing what God wants to do, we're hearing what God does, but it's indifference. There's an indifference on us about it. And it doesn't touch us, our lives anymore. In fact, some of us, we're in the, we're in the, we're, we, we want to we negotiate it. We want to talk about it. We want 